Be Randy. Praise God. Well, if you'll turn your Bibles with me today, hallelujah. Where do I want to go, Jesus? Uh, hallelujah. Uh, let's go to Judges. Judges 18, 9 through 10. I want to talk to you today about fix it now. Uh, I was uh, sitting there last night, and Phyllis and I were uh, kind of watching this crazy, funny show, and, uh, but uh, I was working on my lesson, and uh, then I thought, ah, this is a waste of time. Just didn't, wasn't going anywhere. So, so this morning I woke up, and I thought, God, what would you, he's, and since I'm going to be doing the Holy Ghost, I'm going to start it up right after Easter because it's just got too much for us to do it. So we're going to take a little break on the Holy Ghost, and we're going to start it up after Easter. I want to talk to you about fix it now. I run into people all over the place that could have been free of their problem when they first got saved, but they're still dealing with the same problem. And they think that if they wish it away, it'll go away. Never goes away. They think if they deny it, that it'll just disappear into the wind. They think that if they just never acknowledge it, that maybe it'll just lose its life and go somebody into somebody else's life. But it doesn't happen that way. And it says, and they said, arise, we may go up against them. For we have seen the land, and behold, it is very good, and, and are ye still. Be not slothful to go and to enter to possess the land. And when ye go, ye shall come into a people secure and to a large land. For God hath given it into your hands, a place where there is no want of anything that is in the earth. Now, God tells them to go up. Now, there's not a question that God has given them the land. How many know that it's not God's question of what he wants you to be, what he wants you to become, and really what he wants you to have? He wants you to walk in the goodness of God. He wants you to walk in the benefits of it. He wants you to possess eternal life. He wants you to have life abundantly. And he wants you to be victorious in everything, 2 Corinthians 2.14. Yet we see people struggling all the time. And I don't, I don't think it's a God lack. And I certainly, please hear me, I certainly do not think that the devil has any power to stop you from doing what you put your hands to. I do not believe that. I don't care how many stories they tell you about what the devil's done, what he hasn't done. Listen, he has no power. If he had power, you would be unsaved as soon as you got saved. Now, so we know that we need to deal with things. But there are types of people in the body of Christ, and if you're one of them, then just acknowledge you have a problem and get after it. But if you don't fix it, things are going to get worse. Could I get an amen? They're going to get worse. Remember the woman that had the issue of blood in Mark, the fifth chapter? The Bible said she went everywhere that she could. She'd had this for 12 years, and she consistently tried to deal with the problems. Now, she did it in a way that God 
was not behind, even though she sought remedies and sought healing and sought deliverance. The Bible said she invested all that she had. But whenever there is an issue that is caused by the devil, when there's an issue that has to do with an unrenewed mind, with an out-of-control life, as well as actions and reactions or learned behaviors, money cannot buy your way out of them. No way. You know, Phyllis and I watch, uh, we see this commercial so much, I don't know where they got it, but it's an addiction program. And it says, uh, you know, you need to call the addiction line now. Now. Not tomorrow. Now. Why? If you don't deal with it, it's going to get worse. And so I started making fun of this guy. Now. Call the addiction program now. Well, they changed the commercial. But I'm still going to find something funny about him. Anyway. What I want you to see is that if you don't deal with it now, things are going to continue to be worse. And if you don't bring them to Jesus, then you're going to wrestle with them on your own. In Mark, the ninth chapter, there was a man that had a little boy. Jesus, they brought him to him, and Jesus said, how long ago did this come up on him? He said, when he was a young child. Now, this brings a new perspective about people's problems. Folks, when you see problems in your children, they're not there to show you that they're different and they're unique. They're shown to you so that you can start connecting them with Christ that their life can be changed. Children left to themselves are going to bring sorrow to your life. And so you have to deal with your children. Could I get an amen? And God shows you these things, shows you weaknesses, shows you things that are happening in their life for you to deal with, not to put off. But the man comes to Jesus and he says these words, my son hath a deaf and dumb spirit. Now he was smarter than 99% of the body of Christ because they call that an epileptic spirit. That man called it a deaf and dumb devil. He knew that what he was dealing with was spiritual and that that spiritual problem in his life was disrupting the whole household, stealing finances, causing him to be embarrassed and shamed, and causing him, his wife, his family, his whole household structure to be oppressed by the enemy. But Jesus questions the man, and he says, well, it cast him into the water, cast him into the fire to destroy the young man. What if he would have been like most Christians and just let Whatever will be, will be. Well, they'll grow out of it. Well, you know, it'll go away. Well, you know, they'll get over it. What would, if, if that would have happened, what would have been the life of that young man? Well, it wouldn't have been the outcome that God had that young man born for. Could I get an amen? Absolutely. So, we need to fix it. Here's what the Bible says about people that don't fix things. Proverbs 15, 19. The way of a slothful man, a negligent man, a blind man to what needs to be done, or a lazy man is a hedge of thorns. In other words, a problem becomes a prison. A problem becomes a prison. But the way of the righteous 
is made plain. In other words, it'll open up avenues and it'll lead you into a place that you will be sure of your footing and sure of your life. A slothful man always has an excuse, always has an excuse to get away from doing something and always has an excuse to say it won't work, especially when faced with adversity. Listen, we have to understand that life is filled with the adversity from the devil. But if you are going to be lazy, slothful, negligent, unmindful, unresponsive to what comes into your way, you're going to end up creating many problems and many prisons in your life. And you will never be free in life until you deal with things that are coming against your life. Proverbs 26, 13 and and also 26, 16. The slothful man said there is a lion in the way in the street. Never said that it's true. That's what the slothful man says. Then verse 26 says the slothful man is wiser in his own conceit than seven men that are trying to come up with a reason to encourage him to do it. In other words... A lazy man, a slothful man, someone that neglects their problems, always says something is going on, and it's in his imagination, and it is not in reality. And he is so deceived by his own concepts that if they had seven wise men saying, look, he can't be in the road, that excuse doesn't hold water, They could not reason him into victory. Now, we want to make sure that when we see problems, remember that the Bible says the Holy Ghost will show us things to come. Now, when God shows us something or a problem comes up or you recognize that something is happening over and over and over, we need to be smart enough to realize that the enemy is building a thorn or a hedge about our life. In other words, Jim, when we are neglecting things that we see happening over and over and over, and we don't deal with it, we are surrendering our lives, our children's lives, our families, our marriages to places of imprisonment. Now, you might say, well, God will deliver me out of them all. He doesn't expect you to be so dumb that you never try to stay out of prison, but you're always looking for a miracle or deliverance out of them. Could it get an amen? You know, there is no shame in preparing for a new car or repairs on a car or laying up for your children's future. You don't always have to be waiting for a miracle to bail you out. Amen? Abraham said God met all of his needs, but Abraham was very rich. Doesn't mean that Abraham always lived by the shoe latchet and always said, you know, well, you know, God's going to provide. No, he had enough money. He laid back. Doesn't the wise man lay up for his generation, generations? Amen. In other words, if we see that we are having problems, we need to cut those problems off. A righteous man. 
will say, let's turn and do. In other words, a righteous man is not slothful. He not only is right standing with God, he has a touch of the wisdom of God in his life. And what you don't do will end up biting you. Could it get an amen? Absolutely. You know, the hardest thing to get done is something you never start. The hardest part of a book is the first page, not the last one, the first one. It's just hard to get things started. But when God is showing you something, what he's trying to do is he's trying to deliver you. But I don't have a problem. But if you see the potential of a problem, it's better to pluck it up when it's young than to wait till it already has a place to control your life. Could I get an amen? amen? So we want to make sure that we deal with things. I found this story when I was reading. Many years ago in Pennsylvania, anybody here from Pennsylvania? This happened in your, in your section of the country. Hope you're not like this. And it says, years ago in Pennsylvania, a group of engineers went to examine a dam that controlled the rivers that came together and they did it so that the land be on the other side of the dam could be productive. And they built a city in where the rivers used to flow. And they found the dam was unsafe. They went to the people, the citizens of the village, and said, the dam up there that is keeping the headwaters coming down here is weakened. Well, you know, the people, just like everybody else, they're trying to get advantage on me. You know, this is going to work out for them and not for us. You know, they're just playing us for a bunch of suckers. And so they said, nah, we don't believe we need a new dam. The engineer said, well, we're just telling you it's unsafe. They said, well, we'll just take our chances. Well, that fall, the engineers came back doing a reinspection. Steve, they came back down to the citizens and they said, look, that dam is getting worse. You need to repair that dam. The citizen said, nah, we don't think so. Well, it went on. Fifteen days later, there was a little boy on a little horse-drawn buggy was going across the dam, and the dam exploded. And it ran all of the waters out, and it destroyed a city called Jonestown, killing 4,000 people because they wouldn't deal with a small problem. Listen, when God is showing you that you have a problem, when a problem is constantly echoing in your life and you become aware of it and it keeps coming up and coming up, how many of you know it's time for you to deal with it? Amen. Amen. It's time for you to deal with it. So today we're talking about fix it, not tomorrow, but fix it now. Because here's what happens. When we let problems go, there's something about familiarity. When you start getting familiar with things, you know, you start accepting them. You start accepting them. Like if you have one mouse in your house, you'll end up with a whole family in your house. 
You know, and then pretty soon you're going to end up with two families in your house. Pretty soon you're going to end up with the mouse infestation. You better just kill that little rugrat, food thief, whatever you want to call him. You better kill him quick. Oh, I just can't stand. Good, we'll bring ours to your house. No, you got to kill them because they don't understand release. They understand, let's go back. And when they're headed back, they're bringing friends. You have to kill them. You say, oh, that's just cruel. It's survival of the fittest. My shoe is bigger than their body. And, but they come in. You have to deal with them. Could I get an amen? amen? Now, when you don't deal with them, what you do is this. You get a mindset that you start living around them. Around them. You start making a place for them. You start buying special containers. You start spending money in order to mouse-free your food. But you're giving them the house. The food is $2 a pound. The house is a $100,000 investment. What is wrong with that type of thinking? It means that we accept things that come into our life, and when we do not, somebody say, when we don't. When we don't deal with them, you accept them. And we start making places for them. And pretty soon, we get so used to the prisons that we built, our whole life is controlled by the prison. You ever seen a little boy that threw a temper, temper tantrum? Have yours ever thrown any? Not so many. Not so many. <laughs> Did you deal with them? Or you just hoped they would grow out of it? You dealt with it. But have you ever seen anybody that didn't deal with them? Well, pretty soon, that temper, tam temp, temp, temper tantrum gets bigger. They get bigger. It gets more violent. Pretty soon, the whole house has made a lifestyle of acceptance for this work that God forbids us to be subject to. And it allows the whole house to be transformed and it controls the individuals. Now, that might not be too bad, but what happens is any time that you start doing repetitive things, it ends up being addictive or it ends up being spiritually connected or it ends up being spiritually influenced even to possession. Now, what happens when this young man gets older? This young man has been allowed to be angry, always giving place to sin even after the sun sets. The devil is working. Oh, but that's okay. You can manage it. Well, that's, that's okay. But the devil is working at night because sin has been allowed to develop and to control that household. But you're too busy. You don't want to cause any hardship. You're his friend. You want to have a peaceful house. You can't have a peaceful house with cockroaches running crazy or devils running crazy. Could I get an amen? Now, so what happens is this young man turns 18. He goes off to college. 
And you know, he has a fit of anger. He strikes a girl. No big deal. She does it. Turn it in. Pretty soon he gets married. Now, domestic violence is one of the number one killers in America. And pretty soon he gets married. His wife does something in a fit of rage. He gets in a fight with his wife. She gets killed. He goes to prison. He has no answer because in prison, they don't deal with what's going on. They just cover it up with programs that really are not answers to anything. Only Jesus is the right answer. Amen. Amen. And so this young man is in prison. Or what if he goes and gets angry and has road rage and kills somebody else? Or gets angry and maybe shakes a baby too hard and kills a child three months old, six months old, a year old. Where did it all start? What went wrong? We never fixed the problem. We never fixed the problem. 90% of the social woes that we have today could have been fixed in the safety of a godly home. Of a godly home. But we don't deal with them. We just keep put, pushing them down. And what happens is the strong man begins to gain strength in our life to the point that what has been ruling their life when they were young now becomes the rule of their life when they're old. And you have loosed a catastrophe waiting to happen in somebody's life. That's why when we, as Christians, see things going on. I remember one time I got in an argument with an old man at a table. And I told him, I said, listen, that ain't God. He got up, went to the bathroom, and the family said, you better be quiet. He gets mad and he carries a gun. Well, in my younger years, I said, I'll tell you what I'll do with that gun. It'll shoot where the sun doesn't shine and pull that thing off. Now, that probably wasn't the right attitude. But the problem was is that attitude had been accepted over all these years. And so this man, a Christian, had to deal with this spiritual influence because the first time it exploded, his family made room for it. Don't give it one time or two times. Deal with it. If you have an anger problem, deal with it. Amen? Get help. Get counseling. Get people around you that will be able to help you, that won't compromise, that won't put up for it. Just deal with it and get rid of it. Could I get an amen? Amen. Absolutely. This has everything to do with criticism, has everything to do with talking about people. All of these are things that we just don't deal with and that are acceptable by the Christian community. Oh, somebody help me. Hallelujah. Now, and so we have to realize that not only does it come into our lives, it comes into our children's lives. And what happens? We get blinded by the devil. And David, that used, what used to be wrong is now right. And we make compromise. So guess who you send out into the world? Just who you trained. Your children think wrong is right. It's true. And so we have children that live half a Christian lives because we, as parents, have never dealt with problems. We don't deal with them in our lives and we don't deal with them in our children's lives. So we have to make sure that we, as Christians, 
deal with these things. Now, there are several problems that I, I want you to look at today for just a moment. Number one, all problems, if not dealt with, will end up in strongholds. All problems not dealt with will end up in strongholds. Go to 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 3. I know that we all know this. Well, we got strongholds. I know it. But we want to make sure that we don't have strongholds. We want to deal with them. And one of the major places that strongholds begin are in the thought life of the believer. Because as a man thinketh, Proverbs 23, 7, so is he. Now, it says this, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Now, that tells us right there that strongholds are not fleshly born. They are born of the kingdom of darkness. Now, if they weren't, then we would not have to have weapons of a kingdom nature. God gives us spiritual weapons to deal with problems. What does that mean? There's no problem, no stronghold that you have in your life right now that you cannot defeat. Amen. Come on, that you cannot defeat. Amen. All right, then it says this, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through who? To the pulling down of what? So they can be torn down. Somebody say they can be pulled down. Absolutely. Why does not many believers walk in the position they have, in the identity they have, in the blessing they have? It all starts with the human mind. And, and so when we are imprisoned by our human mind, it will cause us to miss God's best. Now, next verse. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, that would tell us not only why we can't get breakthroughs in our life, live by faith, it would also reveal to us, Jim, why we cannot get freed from certain sinful, addictive personalities or mindsets in our life. It tells us that these things need to be cast down. Now, how many of you have a few mindsets you wish to God you didn't have? Amen. I'll be the first one who won't lie. Me. Hallelujah. I've, I've got them. I've got, I used to be afraid of failure. And so I never tried to succeed. It's the truth. I would start businesses, they would prosper, and after I did them for a while, I would shut them down because I thought they might come to the end of their self and I would look like a failure. Now you say, well, well, that's not very smart. I didn't say that things that the devil puts in your mind is smart. I'm just telling you that they happen. Amen? And so how about, have you ever thought that you weren't good looking? Sometimes it's true, but not, not to you, Dan. But really, have you ever thought that you weren't good looking? Why would you think that? Why would you think that? You're made in the image of God, and all of us have a portion of the reflection of God in our life. Amen. Why would any guy think that they were not good looking? Why would any woman think that she wasn't good-looking. Why would people think that they were ugly? 
Why would they think that they wouldn't be accepted? Those are strongholds. Some place in line, somebody fed you something that isn't true at all. Amen. Amen? I think one girl told me one time, well, you ain't all that. And I realized she must be escaped from the mental institution. <laughs> She's not right in her head. There's something wrong with her. But listen, we as Christians have to renew our mind and let the thoughts of God infiltrate us. And we have to deal with things that are in the past. We have to pull down strongholds. How do we prove what is acceptable and a good, acceptable, and perfect will of God? By the renewing of the what? Mind. Mind. Be not conformed to this world. What is conformity? Don't be molded by the hand of the enemy and the truths that the world holds dear. But we are to have our mind renewed. Somebody say renewed. Why? Because it's been thinking the way the world thinks. So let's get our mind renewed. Look at yourself and think, what's holding me back? There are certain things, and I, I just have to be honest with you, that I dread doing. I just dread doing. I'm not talking about trash. That's natural. It's just natural. No man wants to take out trash. It's just not natural. But when we come to what about things that we dread, things that we fear? You know, I, I'm in the midst of, of doing a doctorate right now, and I'm, I'm thinking, I hope I can make it. I hope I'm smart enough to read these words. I, I hope I can comprehend what they're saying to me. So I bring Phyllis over. We both flunked the first test. Don't believe two minds are better than one. How do you get a 15 out of 100? Phyllis misspelled our name, and they took off 85 points. Now, but we all have fears. Somebody say, we have fears. Look, we're afraid to show people that we care. We're afraid to show our, our spouses our weaknesses. They have a whole list of them. One time, Phyllis said, I got a list of your weaknesses. I went in there in the room and found it, and there were six drawers stacked on each side of the other, the bottom cut out of them with a big roll of paper at the end. In other words, she kept adding to it all the time. I told her that wasn't fair. Now, listen, we all have things that we are afraid of. You say, well, God hasn't given me a spirit of fear. I understand that. But that doesn't mean that we are still out of the areas of intimidation that the devil could bring in our life or even that self-examination couldn't bring in our life. Now, we can overcome that, and we can do it by a spirit of faith. But let's face it. We all have certain things that we may be intimidated by. Well, those things have to be pulled down. Those things have to be destroyed. Those things have to be brought unto the captivity of Christ that says, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. But how many of us really would believe that? Now, not that we can't quote it, but we can't believe it because we haven't dealt with the things that challenge that truth. And so we have to deal with things and we have to fix them. Could I get an amen? Galatians 6, 7 tells us this, that whatsoever we sow, that shall we reap. Listen, when we allow things to be sown into our life and we don't deal with them, we're going to reap what it has planned and purposes for our life. And if you can control a man's mind, you'll control his heart. 
You can control his heart. You'll control his words. You can control his words. You can control his future. Did, did you get that? If you can control a man's mind, that he thinketh in his mind, so is he. Then if you can control his mind, then what you're going to do is you're going to control what the abundance of his heart is, David. Because what he thinks is going to be filtered by the strongholds that are in them. And then it's going to get down into his spirit and a man speaks out of the abundance of his heart. And whatever a man sows, that he what? Reaps. Now listen, think about how many things in our lives that we have planted ourselves because of the way that we were raised or who we were around or if we were in an abusive relationship, whatever it might be. Now, you can overcome those things, but you're going to have to first acknowledge them. You can't neglect them. Just say, I got a problem. And the problem really is not with other people. Your problem brings other people into the picture. But the problem is with you. See, when Jesus said, you've heard that you are to hate your enemy, Jesus said, absolutely wrong. You love your enemy. Why? What's he saying? You are the problem, not your enemy. But see, the mindset is that everybody else is brought in to the problem. Your mindset brings people into the problem. And strongholds always point to somebody else. Well, you know, if you would have done that, I wouldn't have done that. Well, if you would just do this, you, do, you know, everybody thinks they're not happy because of their spouse. No, your spouse isn't happy because you're you. Yeah, don't think you're the miserable one. Everybody else is miserable around you. Listen, we cannot blame people for our strongholds, and we cannot blame people for the prisons that we have allowed to be built because we have never tried to fix the problem. Amen. Come on, amen, hallelujah. And then there is the way of life. The Bible says, and could I have Galatians 5.16 up here? There is a great struggle between the outer man and the inner man. Galatians 5.16. And it says these words. This I say, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that ye would. Stop right there. How many of you want to do things that God has shown you to do? I do. Well, well, now, what is the great conflict? Not only is it the stronghold of the mind, right here is the dominion of the lust of the flesh. There are things that keep us bound that we have not dealt with. Well, 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 can't God just override that? No. No. Because the Holy Ghost is in conflict with the ruling elements of the lust of the flesh. So this has to be cleaned up. Well, what are you talking about, Pastor? Holiness? Exactly. Righteousness, exactly. Sanctification, exactly. Purity, exactly. You want to know why the church doesn't have a move of God? 
90% of the churches in America wouldn't care if you got on a drunken stupor Saturday night as long as you showed up and sat in the pew on Sunday morning. God forbid that anybody in the church would be rebuked for unholy living. Somebody told me, when I come to church sometimes, you make me feel bad about the things I'm doing. Welcome to conviction, duh duh. Well, well, I, I, I just, oh, I walked out condemned. Get rid of the sin. I think condemnation will go. You know, don't don't confuse condemnation with conviction, friend. But I'm not going to lax up, and I'm not going to give up, and I'm not going to quit preaching the truth. You're going to somebody's going to change, and it ain't going to be me, and it ain't going to be the gospel. Amen. Absolutely, just not going to do it. If you want to go set in a lukewarm pot of soup, find someplace else. But this is not it. I'm telling you, I believe in the gospel. I think people all live holy. And I don't think the unholy are going to heaven. I don't, I don't think just because you show up on Sunday morning, you, you're going in the rapture. I don't believe that. You're going to have to live right. You're going to have to be prepared. You're going to have to keep your oil lamps filled. You're going to have to keep your wicks trimmed. And you're going to have to be ready to hear the trumpet, the voice of God, and so that you could be caught up and chained in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. Now listen, I'm not into shenanigans. You hear me? I'm not into shenanigans. My God, we're Christians. Amen? I think we ought to live like it. Just give it a whirl once. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Hallelujah. Now, look, it tells us right there a reason why the Holy Ghost is not in most churches. Why he's limited in most churches is because there is a struggle between the lust of the flesh that is dominating believers. This is not to the world. This is to the church. Don't get mad at me. I did not say Pete 517. It says Galatians 517. Paul wrote this to the church. And we have to realize right there, if you want to know why God's not moving in your life, see how many strongholds that you are allowing to be refurbished every week in your life. What's it say? For the flesh lusts against the spirit. So if you kind of took the flesh lusting out of there, guess what? The Holy Ghost would be free to move and you could do the things that you want. Wouldn't that be wonderful? So there is the strongholds of the mind and the strongholds of our life. The lust of the flesh. Things that we know that God is not happy with, but we do anyway. Why? We don't deal with them. Remember, we accept them, we get comfortable, we start being embraced by them and take such comfort when we are. All in the name of God understands. Then the third place that strongholds are is our actions and reactions. We would call them habits. Well, I just do that out of habit. Well, it's like hating your enemy. 
it's like a, it's typical, and I think it's ordinary for people to talk about people. Because we've done it so long in the world, it's just a hard addiction to break. And we are addicted to hearing negative news. Come on, that's why we watch news. You know, you hear it every once in a while. Well, you know, all of the bad news, we have a great story. You notice they don't build a news broadcast out of good stories. How the dog got resuscitated this week off of a 20-minute fireman giving him snout-to-mouth. What do you call that? Resuscitation for 20 minutes. He's blowing breath into this snot-dribbling dog's nose. Do you have a dog, David? You better hope to God he don't run out with air at our house because he's dying, son. Now, I, I, I don't care if Phyllis would do it. But how many of you know Phyllis ain't going to do it? She ain't never blowed nose, air up my nose. I know she ain't going to do it to a dog. But this man, what a great story. But now let's go back to reality. Sure, bad news. We are addicted to it. We can't keep our televisions turned from it. We love to hear the woes of the world. Because it's natural. It is a part of the pre-Adamic race, the fallen race of man. We are negative in what we do. And we have got to hear it. You know, they're having problems. Really? What kind of problems? We weren't going out to lunch, but you won't come with us? Exactly. Do you know other people that have problems? Come on. You, oh, you run around with the pastor. Why don't you come to our house for hot dogs and dessert later? Is the pastor really who he says he is? Well, you know, he's got faults. Oh, really? Let me turn my hearing aid up just for a moment. I, 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 I know. And the first thing out of our mouth, now don't repeat that. This is just between us. What does that mean? It has a high likelihood of being a lie. Amen. So, why do we like to hear that? Because we have a negative tendency. We need to stop stuff. Could we look at a friend, Bill, Bill, look, look, oh, I, look, look, Bill, I love for you and Lois to ask us out to lunch. I love for you paying. Hallelujah, I love it. But if you don't quit talking about Bob White, we ain't coming out here again. Wait a minute. <laughs> we, we, we're just not going to talk about it. We, we are not going to, we don't want to talk about people no more. I tell the story when Phyllis and I first got saved. We have all these friends coming over. God, we were like the newfound pearl in the church. We had 12 people in the church. We were the newfound pearl. They all come to our house and they talked. And finally I told Phyllis, there's something wrong with our friends. She said, why? I said, every time they come over, all we do is we all end up talking about people. So I made this sign. There will be no talking about people at this table. And I hung it over my kitchen table. We became friendless in like a week. We had nobody would come over. Why don't you come to our house? Ah, we don't want to come to your house. You can't talk. It's the truth. These are actions and reactions. Why do we want to be critical? Why do we want to active? Oh, yeah. The first thing we say, uh, oh, oh, they're saved. Well, pray God, where do they go to church? Up there. Oh, they don't believe in the Holy Ghost. Yeah, yeah. But 
What's the difference? You know, being born again doesn't mean you're going to heaven because you got the Holy Ghost. You're going to heaven because you're a child of God. Amen. Amen. Stop using divisive things that mean nothing. Stop it. See, these are things we need to fix in order to repair unity of the brothers and sisters in Christ. Could I get an amen? amen. Hallelujah. I know somebody's going to say, oh, we didn't get out till quarter after 12. Well, I got news for you. It's going to be 1230. <laughs> now, so we have to deal with those strongholds. Somebody say strongholds. Stronghold. They have to do with addictive actions and reactions. They have to do with the lust of the flesh dominating areas of our life. And they have to do with our unrenewed mind. Deal with them. So that we can have a move of God, not only within ourselves, but within the church and within the world. Amen. Amen? Hallelujah. All right. So we begin to see that we have to make sure that we are ready to change. Somebody say, ready to change. We have got to get the mindset of this. Nothing is impossible to God. Nothing is impossible to God. Remember a man named Gideon? He was being ruled over by the Midianites for seven years, Dr. Obalu, and he'd been there, but an angel came to him. Came to him in verse 6 down through 8 or 9. It says, God says, you asked me for deliverance, and I sent you a prophet. He prophesied to you and told you just what to do and what was wrong with you, but you received him not. So what happened? They plunged right back into bondage. Why? God showed them what was supposed to be fixed, and they refused to fix it. Finally, the angel comes to Gideon and says, Gideon, you mighty man of valor. First thing Gideon starts. Well, you know, you, just, you, you don't know what God's been doing. God has been absent. He said, stop. This is your own stronghold. You brought it about yourself. You disobeyed the prophet. You didn't fix the problem. And you're here now. And I'm here to tell you that the word has your freedom. Amen. You'll know the truth and the truth will set Amen. you free. Amen. And he prophesied him, Gideon, thy, thou mighty man of valor. Gideon said, me, you. In other words, in every promise, there is the power to deal with the stronghold. Find out what you're struggling with. Find out how God would have you deal with it. Don't worry about how many times you've turned a word from God away. Just rise up now and start mixing faith with it. Amen. Amen. Start saying what God has said about you. Look at your life. Listen, there's not going to be any breakthrough until you find out why it was built. There's not going to be any prison door that opens until you find out why you gave the enemy the key. Look, you are a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away and behold, all things are new and all things are of God. Let's get our brains transformed and renewed. Let's get our lifestyle pure and holy. For a man to think that God's going to show up in an unholy life is a man that is wasting Mindful energy. He is never coming. And then change reactive and addictive actions and reactions to other people 
and to other things. Let's just, these are small fixes. Let's do them. What does hell promise you? Nothing. What does sin promise you except the curse? What does an unrenewed mind promise you except prisons that you're never going to get out of? Let's just change it. Amen? Let's just do the small fixes. Now, I'm going to ask you, uh, do you have a list of your problems? Because my list overshadows your list. I got lots of problems. But I'm going to start on one of them. I'm going to start one at a time. And if I take enough away, pretty soon, something's going to topple. Pretty soon, something's going to fall. And then guess what? They're easy, easier to dissect because they've lost their foundation. Amen. So let's start dealing with things. Amen. Let's just fix things right now. Not tomorrow, right now. Amen. What if, David, you'd have fixed every problem in your life when you first got married? You wouldn't have went to jail, yep. wouldn't have got a divorce, True. wouldn't have had to spend money to remarry her. True. You wouldn't have had to do any of that. But it cost you because you didn't deal with the problems. Absolutely. What caused you to be an alcoholic? What caused him to do this? What caused him to do that? We don't deal with them, folks. I'm telling you, you're going to find yourself sooner than later in problems that you're not going to resolve. You're going to pay something for what you've let the devil build. Let's just tear him down right now. Amen. Amen. All right. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands up towards heaven one more time. God, we thank you. God, you are God of healing. You mend the brokenhearted. Jesus, you gave us the keys to the kingdom. Jesus, you enabled us to pull down strongholds. You enabled us to overcome the lust of the flesh. You enabled us to transform our life that when unclean spirits are gone, they do not come back to habitate our life again. Jesus, we want to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Today is the day that we are going to turn things around. And God, we thank you for it. We are going to fix things now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. All righty, Wednesday night, praise the Lord. Now, uh, we're going to dismiss because we are going to be redoing the wedding vows and marriage vows of David and Karen Schaefer. So if you want to stay, you're welcome. If not,